0: Welcome to episode 135 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week, Women of the Military podcast is going international and talking to Jody Allen, who served for 14 years in the Royal Australian Air Force. She shared her experience of why she joined the Air Force, what her career field was like in the Air Force, and how a back injury caused her to be medically disqualified from service and what the transition was like from military to civilian. We also touched on the work that she's doing today and one of my favorite topics that keeps coming up, meditation. So I really hope you enjoy this interview and I'm really excited to share it all with you. So let's get started. You're listening season three of the women of the military podcast here you will find the real stories of female service members i'm amanda huffman i am an air force veteran military spouse and mom i created women of the military podcast in 2019 as a place to share the stories of female service members past and present with the goal of finding the heart of the story while uncovering the triumphs and challenges women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Thank you, Blue Star Families, for sponsoring this week's episode of Women of the Military podcast. The Blue Star Families 2021 Military Family Lifestyle Survey is open through June 6th. Help Blue Star Families show what military, veteran, and National Guard reserve families like yours need to thrive. The stories and information shared become the fuel and information leaders need to help create change that will directly benefit us and our families. For instance, those who took the Military Family Lifestyle Survey last year had an opportunity to share details about the ramifications and impacts the pandemic had on them, their jobs, their children's education, etc. The feedback was extensive and eye-opening and has given a first-hand perspective of how military families were affected by the pandemic. Visit bluestarfam.org slash survey 2021 to learn more and to take the survey. Now let's start listening to this week's interview with Jody Allen. Welcome to the show, Jodi. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military?
1: Well, uh, I was 16, quite aimless, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. My dad was a professional musician, so went to a new school every couple of years, which was good in one way, It it had its pros and cons, but... I had never really developed through school any kind of notion of what I wanted to do with myself. So, I didn't complete school. I went to work part-time, left school in grade 11, went and worked part-time in a theme park, Dreamworld, one of our big theme parks on the Gold Coast here. So, did various jobs there. One of them was a clown. <laughs> so, that got to a point where that wasn't really giving me a sense of purpose i did enjoy it so it really i did struggle i struggled with what i was going to do with myself and was quite just not not in a happy place really and my brother my younger brother had always wanted to join the air force and my mum said to me why don't you go and join the air force basically We don't like you very much right now. Can you just, (laughs) let's get rid of two kids instead of just one. So they they had a very smart idea. So I went to recruiting, the recruiting office in Brisbane here in Queensland with no idea what service I wanted to join, what job I wanted to do. I just wanted to get in to the Defence Force and leave where I was basically. So no research under my belt whatsoever at the time and I just said, whatever service takes me and whatever job I can do. So I think now I could have been in the, the Navy or the Army and had a completely different a life and experience but it was the air force that accepted me i did my aptitude testing the psycho psychological can't even say that at the moment testing and they said okay these are the kind of jobs that you can do and i just said okay whichever one i can get into the quickest so that happened to be supply so log- logistics stream and I was very lightweight at the time, so I was a little bit underweight. So they said, go away and try and put on some weight. So I couldn't. So I had a really big breakfast and I went back and they said, okay, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. So I was this tiny little 17-year-old off to join the Defence Force uh, with no idea what I was getting myself into, basically. So that's my beginning of the story.
0: And did your brother end up serving till?
1: He did. He joined 12 months after me, so, um, which was great. He, his training was down in the same location in Victoria, bottom part of Australia. So there was a time there that we were serving together while he was training. That was my first posting down in Melbourne. So, so it was great for both of us to have that time together down there as well.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And so how does it work? Do you go to boot camp like in America?
1: Yeah, we have our roughly three months of recruit training and then depending, uh, so we call it a mustering. So depending on the trade or mustering or what job, this is at troop level. I wasn't an officer. I was an airwoman. Depending on that, it's depending where you went for your trade training. So my trade training, so I went to recruits for the three months and then I had my trade training for three months and then I was posted to my first posting. So that was all an eye opener as well. Because <laughs> again, I Well,
0: What was so eye opening about it? Uh, due to my lack
1: of preparation uh, when I arrived at Recruits, I was, as I said, I was quite underweight, uh, underfit, if that's a word. It's not really, I've just made that up. So you just thrown into it. And I remember running because my preparation was okay you've got a couple of months before you're you're off and my dad used to drive me so we have a 2.4 fitness kilometer fitness test a run that we have a certain time frame to do it in my dad used to drive me and drop me off and then drive home and I had to run back and he would time me and half an hour later I'd be you know walking down the road and yes yeah, so my preparation wasn't great so my first day of fitness test was someone yelling you know there's no walking on my you know fitness test and so that was the beginning of my okay i can't walk here i need to but something switched in the very beginning for me i was not a fitness orientated person at all but i wanted to be one of the fastest by the end of recruit training something this competitiveness this tenaciousness just clicked in inside of me on that first day because I was embarrassed that I was walking when I was supposed to be I was joining the military and here I was walking on a on a run test kind of thing so that pretty much changed me for the rest of my life really in that first instance so that was yeah challenging but I I took it on and I did I was was quite fit by the end of the 3 months.
0: <laughs> wow. So it had like a huge impact on your life from like the very beginning. Yeah,
1: I think it revealed joining the defense force revealed something in me that I didn't actually know that I had. I was extremely shy as a child, like the hide behind my parents' legs kind of shy and it so for me to go and do something crazy like joining the Defence Force, it really just uh, revealed all of this um, strength and grit and things that characteristics that I had inside of me that I never knew I had.
0: That resonates with me so much because I was, I was very shy and the military, like, drug something out of me and, I was, and I'm not the same person.
1: Yeah. That's it. And I think no matter your experience in the military, it brings out something uh in you that you know you often don't recognize that that you have. It shapes who you are as an adult and who you become for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. So you went to your first assignment and then your brother was there for training. So you had like someone to hang out with. and
1: Yeah, so I had some family, which was great because we were a very close-knit family. So, uh, you know, that was challenging. I did the whole crying on the phone home as probably all of us can <laughs> relate to. As, oh, I miss my family. I miss my mom and my dad. But they had a very, they were very smart in Scooting both of us off as my brother was seventeen as well when he joined. So, you know, they were free and easy living the life of Riley while their kids were off in the defense force. So they ignored all the crying phone calls, like, yeah, you'll be right, off you go. (laughs) They're
0: like, You're fine. You're fine. Don't come back. Yeah, yeah, you're
1: fine. You're fine. We're off to the movies now.
0: (laughs) That's funny. But it sounded like it was it was really good for you. And did your brother enjoy being in the military too?
1: Yeah, he loved it as well. It was just uh, my pop, my dad's father, he was uh, a rat of Tobruk in World War Two, So we did have a link to defence as well. He was in the army and very proud. And I think uh, it, you know, as teenagers growing up, we did have a very difficult, we fought a lot. Uh, we were very close in age. But being in the Air Force together and seeing each other regularly really, um, and he played football down there. So I'd bring all my crew and we'd be his fan club and it really brought us together and it brought our relationship together for until he passed away. So yeah, it was, yeah.
0: I'm sorry to hear that.
1: So it was a good bonding experience.
0: I'm sorry that, I'm sorry to hear that. That's,
1: yeah, it was hard for our family. So, but um I'm glad that I have those those memories of our, our time together in in defense and made our whole family proud as well so yeah so wouldn't change it for a second
0: yeah that's that's good that's awesome that you had that time together yeah so what was your career like did you face any challenges What does the Australian military do? I know a lot about the American military because I've been talking to people for over two years, but not Australia.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can imagine, you know, as as we were talking about earlier, we have our similarities and our differences in that as well. And my support, my role is mostly support. So, you know, in a nutshell, if, you know, I did work in various uh, warehousing locations or, um squadrons so basically supporting getting our aircraft our jets to fly and whatever they needed you know for our flying capacity to be operational that was my job but I had I was in for 14 years so I had so I think the fact that I was in so long as well and had so many different jobs uh, there was always a new adventure and because I'd being brought up with constant change, regular change, I embraced it and I loved it. So every couple of years I had a new posting, a new job, and I think another thing the military gives you is that adaptability. So I was constantly adapting to things that I'd never done before and which has led me into the the work that I do now. If someone asks me to do something that I've never done before, I just go, yep, I can do it. Because there were so many times and, you know, we would get new software and, it, you know, we had no idea how to use it, but you just had to, here you go, that's it, work out how to use it or new systems, procedures or aircraft grounded and, you know, you can't be in a flap. You've just got to, you know, okay, this, is, this has to be done. We need to get this. Where are we going to get it from? So just yeah my adaptability to change now is you know because of my service career has it's carried over into now my civilian life, so that was one of the probably the best attributes as, as well as confidence and that I think as well that I got out of it. so constantly moving, constantly changing, and the different experiences, different adventures was what kept me in. Yeah. Even if there are sometimes jobs that I didn't really like as well.
0: Yeah, that happens too.
1: Yeah. You just and you just do it, you know, you don't really have any choice.
0: <laughs> how does the service commitment work? When you signed up to join the military, how long were you supposed to stay in? Or do they do it differently?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure if what the current arrangement is, but when I joined up, I think it was initially three years and then you had a choice of reengaging uh, for like three or six years. So you, yeah, your time, your time comes and yeah, you just, say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm staying in. I wanted to stay in for forever basically, but that wasn't to be.
0: So before we t- jump over to transition, was there anything from your time in the military, like one of your favorite memories or favorite or favorite jobs that you had? Oh, wow. There's there's probably too,
1: there's too many. I think one of my best uh, times I went on an exchange with the Navy up in Cairns, the Northern part of Australia and spent weeks up there with the Navy, uh, going out on their survey boats and just experiencing what another service was like. And that was purely the purpose of it to experience how another service operated and made some great friends up there. And I I, but I think this there's too there's too many. But I think the friendships, definitely the friendships that I made, which are for life. And yeah, some of those experiences that were outside of my usual role. And definitely working with uh, tri-service, which, which is when we get to work with all services together. So there's some really unique places in Australia that you can have a tri-service experience. So normally you'd be on an Air Force base, predominantly working with Air Force members and civilian contractors. But I did have a couple of experiences working with all branches and uh, that was a really great experience. For And that's I can embrace that now as well in my my civilian career, working with all the services. I get a greater understanding of of them. So, yeah. But there's there's way too many cool things to count.
0: (laughs) That's why you kept saying, yes, I want to stay in. Yes, I want to stay in.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you loved it. Why did you decide to leave the military behind? Well, I didn't
1: decide. It was decided for me. So I was medically discharged after 14 years. I fought tooth and nail to stay in, but it came to the crunch that. So early in my career, I had a very physical job that was involved a lot of heavy lifting and, and things like that. And then going out on exercise, uh, I did some permanent damage to my spine, which led to a spinal fusion. So it was only in my early twenties and I had major spinal, spinal surgery while I was in the Air Force. So I had four bolts, two titanium plates, a bone graft from my right hip, a laminectomy, which is a disc removal. So it, but at the base of my spine. So it was completely fused. So normally for many, many service people, they would be medically discharged early after some a kind of major surgery like that. But I was very lucky to spend another 10 years in the Air Force with uh, a major injury like that. I worked really hard with my rehab. I was running again within 12 months, and I managed to keep my fitness standard up. And I flew under the radar in the various different types of jobs that I was doing. I was able to operate, and and I never never complained about my back or my pain. I and that's another thing that sometimes can be a good and bad thing in defence. Is we're taught to ignore things and just. Push on. So it had its advantages and disadvantages for me. I probably made my back worse, but I also got to stay in for a fairly long period of time. But it came to the crunch of when I was being, you know, ready for deployment, I couldn't carry out that role because, uh, you know, one of the standards, uh, I had to be able to carry a full pack. And where the full pack would sit, it was right on where my uh, operation, where my surgery was, I should say. So that highlighted, okay, Jodie's not operational. We're going to have to downgrade her. So when you're downgraded medically in the Defence Force, it's not a good sign. So if you're temporarily medically downgraded, that means that, okay, you're going to improve. We're going to give you time and, uh, you know, hopefully then you'll be right and then you'll be deployable in the future. But I was permanently downgraded because of the condition of my spine and they knew that it was only going to get worse. So yeah, I was medically discharged. So I fought for about a year, but because we were, you know, deploying heavily over to Iraq at the time, it was just, that was pretty much set in stone. So I didn't want to go, but I didn't have a choice. So that led to a very, you know, difficult transition for me.
0: Yeah, because it was like taken from you. It wasn't something that you chose to do. Yeah, I we have a term. I don't
1: know if you have a term similar. You probably do over there. But, you know, it's a lifer. And a lifer is someone who, you know, the military is your life and your career and you don't see yourself ever leaving. And at 14 years, I saw myself. I, I loved it. I loved everything about it, even though it's given me this permanent injury I still would go back and I would still join up I probably wouldn't join up in the job that I did it wasn't the best choice for me but I would still join I would still do it all again in a heartbeat but yeah and you do that you you ruminate over oh would I would I would I still be in what would it be like now where would I have gone all that kind of stuff would I have deployed that that in itself is a whole other you know issue as well not I, I served and I never deployed. So there can be, um, there is some issues in the veteran space in Australia here where there can be some judgment over if you served but never deployed or saw active service, then you shouldn't be called a veteran. So I personally don't call myself a veteran, even though I am classified as a veteran and I've, I've got one medal, the defence medal, and I have struggled with that because I did serve for a long time uh, and I only have one medal to to show for it kind of thing. But in, in saying that, in seeing what has um, the result of active service has done to many of my friends and colleagues, part of me is also grateful that I didn't deploy. So it's a double-edged sword. All right? I wish I had deployed. And at the same time, am I lucky that I didn't have the opportunity to to deploy? How would that have affected me? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's something that is American too, where they have the veterans who've deployed and sometimes they look down on or say things like, you're not a veteran if you haven't deployed, which... I don't agree with. I think if you've signed up to serve, then you're a veteran. But I can understand that inner turmoil and then the outward pressure.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's um, how we feel about ourselves and how we feel that we're judged by other veterans. I instantly connect with if I meet anyone that's served, I'm like, you're my mate you you know, <laughs> like, oh, oh, you serve too. You know, we're, we're best friends. Uh, so <laughs> I really, I, I struggle with the concept that there are people out there that, you know, we, we served in the Defence Force. You know, we're all unique and the fact that we just served, but to think that there's people out there looking down on other serving members because they didn't have the opportunity to deploy, you know, it's... So hopefully, hopefully we can improve the language around, um, you know, veterans and supporting each other and, you know, taking care of each other and, and that mateship as well.
0: Yeah, we just met today. I mean, we talked on LinkedIn a little bit, but if we, we were like, oh, we should actually start the interview because we're just going to chat. And it's yeah. like... <laughs> It's the same thing. It's like it doesn't matter that we're from different countries. It's like, oh, you served in the military. Okay, let's let's yeah. be friends. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
1: We, we, you know, <laughs> it's it's instant. I, I find it's instant connection because we get each other. Even you know, you served in the American Air Force, the Australian Air Force. It's still we still had similar experiences of having to do what we're told, whether they liked it or not, going where. Going to places that we don't want to go and, and, you know, leaving our families and, and all of that kind of stuff, you, you know, have that instant understanding of, okay, I can, I can see some of the things that you, you know, we've been through together, but differently. But instant rapport, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's awesome. And I love that it's international and it's not just yeah, an American definitely. thing. It's really cool. Yeah, for sure. I think we need to do more international connections with veterans. Yeah, don't we? Well, this is your your you're paving the way. I'm working on it. So let's talk a little bit about your transition. You talked about how like you were kicked out of the military. You didn't want to go, and so you probably weren't ready. You weren't ready to go, and then they were like, "See you later."
1: Yeah. So transition, even though I had a year's notice, a year's time to To adapt and get my head around the idea, there was, at the time when I was transitioning, it kind of, even though I had the awareness that I was getting out, it's still, I don't think it changed anything about being one day in uniform and the the next day not for me. I I was still, yeah, there was no readiness for me because it was something that I didn't want. Uh, to happen. So there's probably a bit of denial in that there as well, that it was happening. And trying to find civilian work as well was extremely stressful. The, The first couple of weeks that I was out and, you know, I packed up my uniform. I think I cried myself to sleep every night, even though it was something that I knew that was happening and I was well aware of it. That loss of identity, the loss of purpose. I had no job. I was lucky I did find a job uh, within a couple of weeks uh, of just a part-time one. And that was because funnily enough, the guy that was interviewing me was ex-army. So again, that instant rapport, as soon as I walked in and he found out I was ex-air force, I basically had the job because he knew that I was reliable, dependable, adaptable, all of that kind of stuff. So he already knew that I could do it and I'd never done the job before. I was just like, okay, yeah, yes, I'll do it. I'll do this. So it was a real struggle. And I was, a, my husband at the time was in the Air Force and he would travel a lot with the jets around internationally and that as well. So he he was still in, so he didn't really get it. He's like, you know, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. But I wasn't fine, but I just had to pick up my you know pick up my shoelaces and, and and keep going but it was really it was really tough I think yeah the biggest part was a loss of identity because for 14 years I said to people oh yeah I'm in the air force and they go oh it's instant oh wow that's interesting what do you do where have you been all that kind of stuff uh, and that was all that was all gone you know but even now been out for a very long time it's still one of the first things like I identify with that I was in the air force. Uh, It's almost like you can't let go of it. It's yeah. It's just because it's a part of you.
0: Yeah. I've told that same story. Like when I was in and I would be like, Oh, I'm in the air force. And people said the same, wow. And then they'd be like, what do you do? And then you get out and they're like, Oh, we don't care who you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what you work, you work where? You know, I've never, I've never heard of that. Oh, that's because it's a really small company and I just do their stuff, book work stuff. You yeah, know, boring. But so, yeah, for so long I had something really interesting to talk about and, you know, again, and that's when, uh, so it was, okay, I've got this job, I'm on I'm, I'm board. I was in my early 30s, so... Natural attrition, you know, I was um, with with my partner, then he was still serving, went and had two children. And when my youngest, the day my youngest, so I was very fortunate that I could um, be a stay-at-home mum with my girls while they were young. But the day my youngest started prep school, I just, I had this heaviness of now I have no purpose during the day Um, And, you know, I was at the time I wasn't working, so uh, I needed a new purpose and a new identity. And I thought I can't financially, I didn't really need to work, but I needed and and my back was, you know, not great up with having young children, but I needed something. And that's when I went on to um, study at university, which gave me a new sense of purpose and a new identity, which is what I needed craving.
0: Does the military have tuition benefits the way that it does in America? It does for some forms of study and depending
1: on when you served and, you know, it's it's not like for everyone. They do encourage a short term, more short term study. But at the time when I started, there was nothing for me. So that's okay. I didn't let it stop me. I just went and studied anyway and but it was something that I was I made sure it was something that I was interested in so it was in nutrition which um, I was always interested in especially when I was in the defense force because I was you know very fit at the time while I was serving and always you know focusing on on nutrition and food so for performance so it was something that I really loved doing so that was gave me a new purpose which was good I needed that.
0: So did you feel like when you had kids that you kind of found like a new purpose and you were able to be a stay-at-home mom and then you went to school and you were like, oh, I'm back in the same spot?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I kept – it's funny, I think I was finding – I was looking for purpose in, in other ways without it going, I need a new sense of purpose. I wasn't saying that to myself, but I was seeking it out and so fortunate to be home with my girls. And I felt lucky to be able to do that. So, so I was doing okay. But then when my youngest, yeah, when she went to school, it was, I was really hung up on the stay-at-home mum thing as as well you know it's like why your kids are in school now why wouldn't you you know why wouldn't you be doing something so it was a real yeah i have to do something
0: and so you went to the university and you've studied nutrition and you were able to find a purpose again yeah and i
1: just thrived being at uni was and i was a mature age student with other mature age students as well and and some younger guys but I found uh, it, it was almost like having your your mates in the military in that as well because you have, you know, this, uh, similar interests. So I made great friends that I'm still great friends with today. So I've, I've got like my, you know, my my veteran mates and my current serving mates and I've got my uni mates. Uh, so it was, I was just like a duck to water. I just absolutely thrived in that environment. I loved it. So it was giving me new purpose so while I was studying for the few years, uh, that was something else. Like, oh, I'm studying to be a clinical nutritionist. Oh, oh that's interesting. So yeah. anything that raises the eyebrows, it's like, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, when did you graduate from? I was going to say college from the <laughs> from college.
1: Yeah, in 2018, I graduated. Okay. So I've been out in the real world for a few years, and that's that's a transitioning in in itself going from a busy uni student to then okay I, now now what do I do but what I'm doing now just found me purely because of my military service so it just it morphed into something that I never thought that I would be doing and that's that's another story
0: <laughs> yeah tell us a little bit about what you're doing so while I
1: was um, in in the last part of my degree, I met a colleague, uh, Meredith, who is a partner of an Air Force pilot, and her brother was a Navy pilot in the Australian Navy, and so she had strong ties to the military. She was a civilian. Uh, she was working for this organization, uh, Mates for Mates, here in Brisbane, who look after injured um military and veteran members who have been injured physically or mentally by their service and it was and she said you should be um so we were studying at uni together and she said well, you should come along to mates and mates and in, in in Australia we have this whole thing oh i don't feel uh, like I deserve to be part of that organization. That's for injured soldiers. That's not for me. And I had this preconceived notion of what it was. And she's like, no, 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 you were injured by your service. This is organization is for you. So I went along and she was teaching part-time there trauma-informed yoga, which was specifically for injured veterans so I would go along to her classes and it was amazing for me for my back injury and also for my mental health because I was you know stressing out about uni and that finally wrapping up my uni and she was getting posted with her husband was uh, getting posted with the Air Force so they were amazing she just said you this is you should be doing this I wasn't a yoga teacher I was doing my own meditation practice and my own yoga practice Mates, mates said, if you do the training, we'll support you and you can come, you belong here. So, next thing I was teaching, they embraced me wholeheartedly and I started teaching yoga. I did all my training, I did specific uh, trauma um, informed training as well. And yeah, I've been there since, yeah, I've been there for a few years now and absolutely love it. And then, so then that just led to more. So, a few years ago, I was saying, to a few people in the military and in the rehabilitation space for veterans that one day I want to be able to teach nutrition, lifestyle medicine, yoga, meditation for veterans for mental health. And especially with the nutrition side of things, I was told that's never going to happen. Fast forward to now, I'm now running Um, The first ever national wellbeing programs for young veterans um, as in Australia, the younger transitioning veterans, especially ones like me that uh, are medically discharged uh, when they're our highest risk for mental health, transitioning for whatever circumstances, but it's the, the younger veterans. So yeah, I'm targeting programs now where I get to teach nutrition, mindfulness, yoga, a, grat- a gratitude practice and paid for by the Department of Veterans Affairs in Australia, so it's the first of its kind. So I'm just absolutely loving, loving that. And I was told that it would never happen. So,
0: well, they were wrong.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Don't don't tell me it can't happen. <laughs> that's so awesome. You just
1: me. Yeah. So it's just uh, and now it's just snowballing and. I've been invited to be on the board of a new, a newly formulated charity called the Women Veterans United of Australia, and they're an, ind- an independent welfare and advocacy organisation. So I'll be involved in encouraging wellbeing programs and um, connection for women because often women may not feel welcome or safe in some of the other organisations if, um, you know, they're just on past experiences they may have had. Uh, so it's just creating that safe space for, for those women that have served that that may feel like they've been forgotten. So, yeah, so that's it's all been an interesting year, especially after last year was, you know, everyone going through COVID that was... <laughs> That had its own challenges, but this year, everything's just full coming together. So it's pretty exciting times.
0: That's really exciting. I'm a strong believer in meditation. I've been doing mindful practice, I guess, about a year. Excellent. And it's it's like the best. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I just love being able to do a daily meditation and like calm the thoughts and just find that peace that I need and yeah
1: and, and that's and that's my purpose is as well as introducing meditation these mindfulness practices that a lot of people believe they can't do they say oh, I can't still my mind or the type of yoga that I teach is not active yoga we're, we're still on a match. Uh, there is movement involved in it, but often people have a preconceived idea that it's emptying your mind. It's, you know, it's it's being in the one spot and you've got to, you know, you can't think about everything, anything, and it's all about, um, and it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, mindfulness can be Going for a swim in the ocean or walking in the rainforest, uh, you know, there's a cool study from Japan of rainforest therapy that um, testing the stress markers in participants after being in nature, I think it was only maybe 20, 30 minutes, reduced their cortisol your stress hormone by 50% just by a brief in being in nature so it's incredibly powerful stuff and I teach people that you know those wandering thoughts that come in they're okay and they're normal we just we, we acknowledge them and then we let them go and send them on their way and we bring ourselves back to our breath so I spend a lot of time in practice um, helping people to connect with their breath because that helps to calm their nervous system reduce anxiety yeah all that kind of stuff so that's my that's my jam now
0: yeah I love I think that's my favorite part about meditation is when they're like are you distracted come back it's okay instead of being like yeah. you're distracted you're not supposed to be it's always like that's fine let's just start again start focusing on the breath and it's just uh, you can't do it wrong and so it's so healing and it's just great
1: yeah, and, and you just nailed it by saying you can't do it wrong because so many people, um, they'll, they'll give it an attempt and they fight with the busy, the busy mind, the distractions, they'll fight with it or they'll get into it, they'll engage it and then they go, no, I, I can't do it, you know, and it's too difficult. But sometimes sitting in a little bit of discomfort and, and as you know, if you've been practicing for for a year, there, there'll be times when it's easier, and times where it's more difficult, depending on what's going on with your day, or you know. ah But you know that you just take a few breaths, and it's it's it can be really quite powerful. Something so simple that we all already have. It's nothing fancy. And it's not it's you know not something that you take and not a not a tablet. It's, it's really, it's, and it's free. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you have that practice. That's really awesome.
0: Yeah. I was, I went and got my first um, COVID vaccine and I was freaking out a little bit and I told my boys and I was like, all mommy has to do is breathe. And so I was like, ah, I'm freaking out. They'd be like, mommy, just breathe. and then then I'd be okay but it was funny because I could feel my anxiety rising up and I was like oh I just need to breathe and then and then then I told him that because I was freaking out when we were driving there and then when we got there I said oh mommy's getting a little nervous and they're like remember you're just supposed to breathe (laughs) and I was like oh they were listening They are and see and it's leading by
1: example it's that is so cool because you know they're they're those tools that sometimes I I wish I had when I was younger that we can give our kids as well and and my kids are the same they're hilarious I think I I burnt myself recently doing something and my oldest daughter said mum just breathe Oh yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I'll just breathe through my hands blistering and being on fire, but you know, but but it, it does. I had an MRI uh, for my spine recently, and they used to terrify me, and I'd have so much anxiety. They have to because I also have um, I'm claustrophobic, and just those oh, you have to be in there for quite some time and the noise and, you know, I have to put headphones on my ears and an eye mask and, you know, all these kind of things to, you know, make me feel better. But the last one I had, I just was purely focusing on my breathing and you know, just saying some things to myself, of, you know, everything's okay, you're safe. And I actually fell asleep during it, which wow. was unheard of in the past there there were times where I was pressing the button get me out get me out where and they're like wow you actually fell asleep in that that just does not happen so and that's the power of breathing
0: Um, yeah. yeah yeah that's really cool well is is there anything from your time in the military or what you're doing today that I didn't touch on that you want to talk about No, I think I've rambled enough. Well, I have one more question. I always like to end my interview with what advice would you give to young women who are considering joining the military?
1: I think that is such a good question because I, as I was saying before, I didn't ask myself any questions before I went to recruiting and I possibly did not join up in the right job for me. So I would... Definitely be looking at what are the pros and cons, you know, talking to as many, if you can find people that have served, talking and asking really important questions and doing your research in what kind of job you want, you want to do and what would suit you. I think physically and mentally and that as well, are you prepared to be away from your family? You know, for for me, I was part of a close family, but being away from them also forced me to grow into independence. So uh, that that was a, actually a good thing for me. Yeah, I, I think I think there things that probably uh, would be important that I would think of. Do a bit of research. Yeah, pros and cons. Is it is it right for you? And, and I think you know, sometimes saying yes to things that even scare the hell out of us (laughs) that's where we grow so it can be such even if you think oh I might be not confident enough not shy enough not fit enough I'm an example of not being fit enough and then you know (laughs) you can still you can still thrive and in these challenges make us who we are for the rest of our lives so yeah it can be such an amazing experience
0: Well, thank you so much for giving me some of your time and coordinating. It's in the evening of the day before and the morning of the next day. We're complete opposites.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: and we we figured it out and made it happen. So I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute
1: pleasure. It's been great to chat. Um, We're mates now, so I'll talk to you again soon.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. to this week's episode of Women of the Military Podcast. Do you love all things Women of the Military Podcast? Become a subscriber so you never miss an episode, and consider leaving a review. It really helps people find the podcast and helps the podcast to grow. Are you still listening? You could be a part of the mission of telling the stories of military women by joining me on Patreon at patreon.com slash women of the military, or you can order my book Women of the Military on Amazon. Every dollar helps to continue the work i am doing are you a business owner do you want to get your product or service in front of the women of the military podcast audience get in touch with the women of the Military podcast team to learn more all the links on how you can support women of the military podcast are located in the show notes thanks again for listening and for your support